What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined, as always, by my man, David Lake. Not David Lee. We've taped this intro four times because I keep stumbling through it. I don't know why. David, You're excited, dude. It's Florida I'm, State. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I'm amped. Uh, we're talking Florida State today. That's all it's about. Previewing the rivalry game. Let's start this thing off. Is Miami going to win number four in a row over the Seminoles? I think so. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of things would have to go wrong for Miami to lose this game. So, yes, I feel fairly confident that Miami will win the game. Um, you know, the margin of that victory, I think, is up for debate. But um, I, I feel good that Miami is is pretty much the better team on Saturday. Do you feel better about Miami uh, winning this game than you did last season? Yes. When I'm, okay. What about 2018? 2018, honestly, I mean, we talked about it in the last podcast, but it's similar vibes, right? Like I felt pretty confident Miami was going to win that game. And FSU came out and honestly looked like the better team, way better team in the first half. Right. So, you know, Again, this is Miami, Florida State. It's typically close, uh, no matter what situation each team is dealing with. So, you know, proceed with caution. But, I mean, look, on paper, judging off the results we have in this early 2020 season, like, I mean, Miami is the better team right now. Oh, I I think we hashed that out at kind of length last podcast. Um, Let's get some stuff out of the way, some – some housekeeping. We are recording this on Thursday morning uh, yeah. at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So you always have to say that in the COVID era because things can rapidly change. Um, I don't think there's any indication that Miami's game would be pushed back or anything like that. But we've seen yeah. Notre Dame already postpone its game against Wake Forest this week. FAU USF has been postponed. Um, so I just want to get that out of the way. So if you're listening to this on Saturday and you're like, "What? how did they miss out on that? Um, that's the reason why, because we're recording it now. David, let's just get into it, I guess, right away. What is the key to the game for Miami? Like, how does Miami go move to 3-0, stay in the national spotlight, and win a fourth straight over a rival? Yeah, I think if you wanted to simplify it, it's, it's two main areas. I think Miami's defensive line has to whip – uh, Florida State's offensive line up front so and you know that's that's kind of what we saw last year that was that was the biggest recipe uh, for success in last year's victory for Miami and then I think honestly from the offensive side I think it kind of just boils down to limiting the turnovers so in these rivalry games momentum is huge you don't want to give Florida State any potential momentum off of you know, forcing a turnover uh, if, if you're Miami's offense. I, I think luckily you feel, you know, going into this game, you feel good about the way that Miami's offense has protected the football so far. I think throughout his college career, Derek King has proven to be a guy that protects the football at, at a pretty high level. So if, if that trend continues, I, I think those are kind of the two keys for Miami this week. Um, you know, Miami does have one turnover this year. I think it was, it was just the Mark Pope uh, muff punt. Um, 
So, but, but the offense has not turned the ball over. And, and really, there's been like one or two maybe dicey-ish throws, but they weren't like, you know, super like, oh my gosh, that should have been picked. Well, it, I mean, there was like one, I yeah. think. Maybe one against Louisville. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like on the sideline, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah. But and I think there was a tipped one that came close, but I, you can't really put that on the on Derek. Right. So I guess what we're saying is, look, if Miami comes out and, you know, doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, to use a cliche, uh, they should go out and, and beat Florida State. They are the better team. So it, it's all about just going out and playing, playing a, a clean game in my mind i'm going off script here i got two questions for you uh sure. first one you wrote about kirk herbstreet compared Derek king to <laughs> russell wilson and i know people are like cringing about that right. um i kind of like the comp in terms of guy who doesn't make like put himself in a bunch of bad positions right. and i know we just talked about maybe he should have thrown an interception against louisville and then you had the tip pass but i do think Derek is pretty like if it's not there, I'm going to throw it away or I'll tuck it in and run, and I'm very efficient. So from Kirk right. Herbstreit's perspective of that, I see that. And I do think they have like a similar kind of running style in the open field. So I, I liked it. I hate when people compare college or even high school kids to um, top five players in like the NFL. But right. I think it works when you talk similarities. Yes, I can see it. I, I do think it's fair to point out with the caveat that, that Herb Street made that comp to the college level, Russell Wilson. So okay. to your point, he's not saying he is, you know, the you know, MVP level Russell Wilson on the Seahawks currently. He, he compared him, and, and honestly, too, he, he tied in the transfer, right? So Russell Wilson transferred from NC State to Wisconsin as, as a senior. De'Ara King obviously transferred to Miami as a senior. And he just feels like the way they carry themselves with maturity and steadiness. And then like you alluded to, the, the similarities in playing style, I think are there. I do think Russell, you know, if I'm going to nitpick the comp, you know, Russell has more arm talent, right? But that's not to say Derek King's a bad thrower. I don't think he is. I think Derek is an underrated thrower. Um, but you know, Russell Wilson is a, a freaky thrower, especially for his size. So if I was nitpicking, I would say that's the biggest difference between the two. Uh, even more off script here, but I got to get your take on this. Like NC State claims Russell Wilson, I think, but he spent his <laughs> final year at Wisconsin. Um, it, what, what is Miami going to do with D.R. King? Let's say he does make it in the next level. Like, is he going to be remembered as Miami guy or Miami Derek King or Houston Derek King? I think it's definitely Miami. I mean, we'll see how the season goes, but I think it is going to be Miami too. I mean, you know, Miami is the bigger program, right? Yeah. So I, I think, and, you know, Jed, we'll see again, we'll see how the season goes, but there's the potential for Derek to play on some bigger stages with Miami, obviously yeah. compared to his Houston career. So, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. He'll be remembered as a Miami player. And, and UM is going to fully embrace like they him. Yeah. They should. Yeah, moving forward, you know, you would hope that they can continue to recruit and add quarterbacks like him to the roster. So they should definitely lean into that. Uh, second off-script question, dude, is Mark Pope going to get it together this game? Because before I hit record on this thing, you were telling me how 
you you think it's all going to come together because he was t- targeted 10 times uh, against Louisville. So, so tell the listeners why you are still pounding the table for Mark Pope. Well, I don't know if it'll come together this game, but I do think there is going to be a Mark Pope game. It's, it's fairly clear that this, this coaching staff, the offensive staff, and honestly special teams, believes that there is playmaking ability with Mark Pope. Um, you know, he was, like you said, he was targeted 10 times against Louisville. That was the most of any, any receiver. He caught four of those balls for, for 64 yards, I believe. You know, he dropped an easy one on the sideline that, you know, I don't know, would have been 20-ish yards. So, I mean, look, he, he was, he's got to make those catches, obviously, but it, those targets tell you that the Miami coaching staff believes there is something there. And I think they know once they pull it out of Mark Pope, it's going to start rolling downhill with him because my eyes tell me it's kind of like a confidence issue with him. And he just needs to have that performance where he believes in himself again. And I think once he gets to that Mark Pope, he's going to be, you know, I don't know if he's going to be like wide receiver one or whatever, but he's going to be more reliable and he's going to make, more plays than of course we've seen so far. So I think it's coming. I don't, I'm not going to predict what game it's going to come, but I do think a Mark Pope quote unquote breakout game is going to happen sometime. I think if you're just kind of like looking at the schedule, this wouldn't be the matchup where the Mark Pope game kind of comes. And that's primarily because Florida state, if you do look at the strength of kind of their team, I would kind of argue it might be the secondary uh, what they got going on on the back end. And that kind of transitions in what do I, I want to discuss next. And, and that's scouting the Seminoles. Like, what do you think they do well um, from what you've seen, I guess, through one game? We, we saw the Georgia Tech game, and obviously they're on a bye this past weekend. But I, I would believe you agree with me that the strength of Miami or, excuse me, Florida State's kind of roster is that secondary. Yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of intriguing talent in that secondary led by Asante Samuel Jr., who's, you know, he, he's a very, very good uh, zone corner. So he will sit in his zone and he pounces. Like he's very quick uh, to react to uh, when balls come in his area and he will make you pay with interceptions uh, when, when that happens. So yes, he, he's kind of the leader of the group. They got some talented safeties, you know, Travis Jay is a redshirt freshman to know. Definitely an impressive physical talent. Is he going to play offense? Like I heard on, uh, on the bench, uh, <laughs> our Florida state podcast and the 24 seven sports network, like they were right. not, ca- ca- not campaigning for him to play offense, but it seems like they think he might play some like receiver or maybe even wildcat quarterback. Yeah. I think, you know, there is some buzz there that, that maybe he should get a look as a wildcat quarterback. Um, just to, to mix things up because he did play quarterback at the high school level and he is a dynamic athlete. He's their kick and punt returner. So that tells you about his athleticism. Um, I think I would expect Florida state to have some sort of package uh, outside of James Blackman at quarterback, whether that's Jordan Travis, who is also an athletic guy. He, he's, you know, one of their backup quarterbacks doesn't really offer much throwing the ball, but he does have very good long speed 
and he ran for, you know, some long touchdowns last year in 2019 for them. Uh, and, and Travis J w- would be in that similar mold. He's, he's a better athlete than Jordan Travis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think there's going to be some sort of package. I don't know if Travis J necessarily is going to get looks in that regard, but I would expect Jordan Travis to. We should yeah. probably – go ahead. I was going to say, so the strength of, of Florida State is their secondary. So what will that mean for Miami's receivers? You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to have the biggest day. I think it'll be, you know, similar to Louisville. Like Miami, the strength of Miami's offense is their tight ends and their running backs. So in the passing game, I would, I would look for Rhett Lashley to continue to lean into that. Um, just, I mean, talking offensively with Florida State, you mentioned Jordan Travis, Travis J. Uh, Travis J was a really good prep quarterback. I mean, not really good right. prep quarterback in terms of a passer, but as a playmaker and runner at Madison County, I remember watching him up in Orlando at the state title game. Um, I think Willie's first year, so that was two or three years ago. Uh, but we got to point out Mike Norvell will not be coaching on Saturday. Uh, Norvell does call plays for the Seminoles. Right. So it's what, what's the situation that it's Kenny Dillingham that will be serving as the play caller, the offensive coordinator um, on Saturday. Yeah. It's Kenny Dillingham who, you know, I think, I think it's fair to, to classify him as a Mike Norvell protege. He's, he's respected as a young up and coming uh, offensive mind, offensive coordinator. You know, I don't, I feel like I'm not necessarily the oldest guy, you know, I'm 35 years old, but Kenny Dillingham makes me feel old because I think he's something like, I don't know, 27, 28, 29, and looks young too. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of funny thinking about this guy running the offense, but he, he has the full trust of Mike Norvell. Uh, he definitely has credentials. I think previous to Florida State, he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn, I think, last year, if I had that right. Right. Or he was a quarterback's coach. So. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be calling the plays. If I'm Manny Diaz and Blake Baker, I'm definitely going to test that situation with some minor tweaks or minor wrinkles, whatever that means, uh, you know, from Miami's defense, I want to have to make Kenny Dillingham have to make some adjustments to what I do and, and see how he handles those situations. So, you know, we talked about in the last podcast, how it's a big deal for a college football program to not have its head coach for a big time rivalry game. On top of that, you know, he's the play caller and you know, Kenny Dillingham is thrust into a, a situation that, you know, he he might be ready for, but he's going to have to prove himself. Well, it's certainly a difficult one. It's not like Florida state um, had a ton of success in their opener against Georgia tech. I think there was a lot of things they needed to work on and, and kind right. of figure out during practice. And you know, Mike Norvell's not there. Um, right. So, but I, I would anticipate there's probably going to be some, you, you mentioned wrinkles from Blake Baker and Manny Diaz, you know, who knows what Dillingham's going to do in terms of special packages, potential trick plays sure. and, and whatnot. But I, I think it really, this game to me comes down to is, is, is how is Florida state going to block Miami's defensive line? Um, and do you take an approach like UAB did in week one against Miami where they were trying to get the ball out as as fast as they can? Like, I think that's the only way you're going to find some, some success against Miami. So maybe 
uh, Kenny Dillingham like leans on that. But uh, maybe, yeah, if maybe... I was if I was FSU, I would like you said work the quick game. I would work the misdirection game too because you know I think one thing we've seen from this Miami defense through two games, it's not necessarily like a young group, but it is a group you know particularly in the front seven. It's a group that is either their first year in this Miami defense or their first year in a new role, right? So, like, even Zach McLeod, he's been around forever. He started a ton of games. This is his real, like, first season as a weak side linebacker. Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche have played college ball, but it's their first year in this Miami system. Nesta Silvera has played a ton of college ball, uh, but this is his first year as a full-time starter. Bradley Jennings, first year as a full-time starter. So the point I'm trying to make is we've seen this Miami defense. In my opinion, the strength so far of this front seven is you can tell they are very fast. It's a fast group. They're athletic, and they play really hard, um, which are all very good things, right? That's what you want to see. I think where this group gets in trouble, though, is they're not necessarily sound with their assignments and you can get this group to bite hard on some play action or misdirection type stuff. And that could potentially open up some big gains. So if I'm FSU, I'm trying to continue to test Miami's front seven in that regard. Now I do think, you know, as the season progresses, Miami's front seven is going to get more disciplined with this and better with this. Um, but Florida State, yes, the misdirection stuff. And then also, too, Tamori and Terry, you know, in my opinion, he's a big advantage outside if you can get him the ball. That's where Miami's pass rush comes into play. And honestly, that's why Miami has done a good job of limiting Tamori and Terry the past two years in this matchup. He hasn't necessarily been able to get loose like he has against, you know, the vast majority of other ACC teams. Uh, that that Florida State plays. So uh, getting the pass rush home is going to be key if you want to limit those Tamori and Terry deep shots because if he gets the ball in his hands on a deep shot, it's it's pretty much always a touchdown. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Florida State is dealing with some injuries up front. Am, am I am I wrong? Yeah. With, like like I know they had a starting five and. Uh, the analytic numbers said that starting five was was pretty good, but against Georgia Tech, once they started to have to go to the bench is when the offensive line kind of broke down. So w- what is the latest with with that? Or, or are there going to be guys out yeah. on Saturday? I think the – so kind of like all of them sustained some sort of injury, it seemed like, during the course of the game. I think the only one to really keep an eye on is their right tackle. I think his name's Devontae Love Taylor. He's a – The FIU guy. FIU transfer and he played well against Miami last yep. year while at FIU. So he's kind of the only one I think where, you know, that injury might be lingering a little bit going into this game. Uh, you know, the guys at Knowles 24 seven, I was on their podcast just before we started recording and they were telling me they, they expect him to play. They expect him to start, uh, but he's not necessarily like over the injury. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, with their offensive line, they do feel like, you know, to your point, outside of that starting five, it gets kind of ugly when they start having to, to go to guys in that second team. So 
it's definitely a storyline to keep an eye on. Watch that right tackle and, and see how he does at the start of the game. Um, let's take a quick break on the other side, get into some players that will need to step up for Miami. Uh, also get into the sports line projections, which have been kind of not really spot on, but the score projections have been. And then we'll give our take on who wins Saturday. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David, um, I'm looking at William Hill Sportsbook right now. Uh, Miami's still an 11-point favorite over the Seminoles. I thought this would have, um, the line would have jumped up a little bit more, but maybe that doesn't happen until Friday or Saturday as people want to know if there'll be anyone who's COVID positive or or anything like that, I think that's going to be the trend this season when it comes to betting. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, this year you just got to be patient because who knows who's going to be out? Who knows if games will even get canceled? So right. I think Saturday it's going to rise a little bit, but you never know with, with gambling. That's part of the fun. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to kind of outline a potential player of the game for Miami and then someone who needs to step up. We've done this the past two games. Um, I want to, and I'm going to start with the guy that I think needs to step up for Miami. And it kind of plays into what we were discussing with Florida state's offensive line. I'm going to go Nesta Silvera Um, last year against Florida state, I think was probably his best game to date in a uh, green and orange uniform. And if Miami is going to handle business, I think um, everyone on that defensive line is probably going to need to have a big night. So for me, he's someone that I think needs to step up for sure. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, You know, like you said, I think, too, there's something to the fact where Nesta is that dude that steps up for these games, right? Like he's a guy that plays with that nasty edge. And I think that gets amplified in these rivalry type games against Florida state. And I think that's why he showed out last year against Florida state. So I think that's a good pick and and we'll see if he can do it again this year. My, my pick would be same, you know, defensive line. I'm going to go Jalen Phillips. Um, You know, it's time for Jalen to get his first sack as a hurricane. Right. So he doesn't have one. (laughs) He does not have one. I don't think Uh, Quincy Roche has one, uh, but I don't think Jalen has one yet. Um, I mean, you're right. I just, I guess I didn't realize that until now. Yeah. So, you know, Florida state's offensive line, we'll see if, if they improve, um, you know, from the Georgia tech game and from last year, but if they don't, there's going to be those opportunities for Jalen to get his first career sack. And certainly Miami needs uh, to win that battle 
with their pass rush on the edge in order to handle Florida State on Saturday. He was the guy, Jalen, uh, I said potential player of the game. Um, and why? Because remember what Greg Russo did last season against right. Florida State? Like, I think the opportunity will be there uh, for a ton of sacks. Right. And maybe it's Quincy Roche, but maybe it's, maybe it's Jalen Phillips. I just think um, someone on the edge will have an opportunity to uh, eat. Is that, is that what the kids would yeah. say? Like, yeah. uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, I keep hammering home. That's where I think the game will be determined on, on the line of scrimmage. But um, he, he's one. What about you? Who do you got for a potential breakout? I, I feel like you got someone on offense. Are you saying breakout or player of the game? Player of the game. Sorry, sorry. Player of the game, I'm going to go with – I think I named him last game too, but I, uh, Brevin Jordan. I'm going to go him again. I just think he's so important to their passing game. And, you know, if, if Hampson Nasraldeen, who is uh, an important player for FSU's defense, still kind of working his way back from a knee injury he sustained last year, um, didn't play against Georgia Tech, uh, was listed on the depth chart for this week's game. I don't think it's necessarily uh, a given that he's going to play. Uh, but anyways, I, he would be a guy that would be valuable for Florida State to try and contain Brevin Jordan. Um, and, and also, too, like I just think Brevin Jordan is clearly the go-to guy in the passing game. Miami and, and Rhett Lashley have to figure ways out every week to get him the ball a ton. Um, and I think if they are able to get him the ball, good things are going to happen in the passing game. So I will go with Brevin Jordan. I think in that 2018 game, right, he made, you know, arguably the play of the game. Oh, yeah, for sure. When Nikosi hit him in the fourth quarter for – I don't know if he scored, but he got him – No, 41 yards. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know if, if FSU's personnel – outside of Hampson Nasraldine, who again, we'll see if he's available. I don't know if they match up well against Brevin Jordan. So I would, I would say him, who do you well, got? Uh, I, like I said, it was going to be um, potential player of the game for me was uh, Jalen Phillips. I, I think if I had to make a pick on the offensive side of the ball, kind of maybe a, a sleeper, I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Knighton, you know, um, you just I, rip it. Hearts out, Florida Seminoles. <laughs> hearts out. No, I think we're going to see a ton of a ton of carries for Cam Cam Harris, and I think they'll try to get him going. But um, I'm not saying there's any bad blood between Florida State and no. in Miami when it comes to Jalen Knighton. But I I think if I'm Manny Diaz and you get to a point in the game where you know I'm not running Cam Harris, I I don't want to run my number one running back anymore, but it's either Don Chaney or Jalen Knight where I could feed carries. I think Manny could definitely lean on rooster and smile kind of on the sidelines. And, and look, man, like back-to-back games, Jalen has had electric plays. Um, why can't we see another one of those? Let me get your thoughts on this. Um, Gervin Hall. We'll see. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to play. I'm not saying he is going to play. I'm just saying we don't know. Like Manny Diaz was asked on Monday, and his answer was essentially like, we'll see how the week progresses for him. So Gervin Hall, if he – 
Number one, do you think Miami should play him? Do you think he will play? Do you think they can get away with uh, just playing Amari Carter and Bubba Bolden this week and shelf Hall and get him ready for Clemson? What's your take on that? Well, if there's one position where like a starter can go down, and I think you're pretty confident that um, the other guy that's inserted is going to do fine, it's definitely safety. So I think if he's not a full go clear, then they should absolutely rest him and, and play Amari and Bubba. I guess the one concern would be, you know, does Amari get a targeting call or something like that? Right, right. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm going to assume – I mean, I have no inside information on, on right. this or anything. I, like, I, I think if he's going to be a go, they're, they're going to play him, but uh, they can probably get the job done with – I agree. Bubba and Amari. and uh, I mean, who would be the number three? Is it Would it be Balaam? I think it would be Balaam. Yeah, that's my understanding. So it, it, it would be a drop-off. Um, you know, I think – Maybe what we'll see is similar like snap counts we saw against Louisville where, you know, Bolden and Carter definitely played more and, you know, Hall played about half as many snaps. So maybe we'll see something like that. Um, you know, I do think Gervin, when healthy, is – like in my opinion, it should be Gervin and Bubba. Yeah. But, but I will say like – Amari Carter, in my opinion, played pretty well against Louisville. Like, that's one of the better games I remember him playing at Miami. So, uh, I, th- I just think it's something interesting to, to keep an eye on in this game. And like you said, like, Amari and his targeting stuff, like, he's got to be more aware of that if, if Gervin is limited in any way this week. Uh, let's dive into the sports line projections. You know, Alan Bell – from Sportsline, we had him on the podcast uh, before the season started. Uh, each week, we've kind of looked at what their computers are are churning out. Um, so their score projection is Miami winning thirty to seventeen. Uh, they got King throwing for two hundred eighteen yards, basically two touchdowns, um, also with thirty five yards on the ground. Uh, the one number that kind of like really jumped out to me is they got James Blackman uh, completing 20 of 33 pass attempts for 229 yards in his uh, projections. David, do you think that's obtainable? Can, can Florida State throw for that many yards? I think they can, to be honest. Um, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. So that's, that's why I say that. Like, I don't, I, I don't believe in their running game, to be honest. Like, I think this is the weakest FSU uh, rushing attack in a long time. Like, I just don't think they have very talented running backs from what we saw against Georgia Tech. So I think they're going to have to throw the ball to move it. And, you know, if you look, you know, you, you watched that Georgia Tech game and you saw, like, Tamori and Terry dropped a long touchdown pass. Yeah. If, if, if he catches that, James Blackman, you know, is near that 300-yard mark. Willie, Willie, sorry, Warren Thompson dropped two catchable balls in that game. If he catches those balls, you know, he's in that 300-yard mark. So I think it is possible for, for James Blackman to hit 229, but um, I think that the question with that, to be honest, would be, how much of a wildcat package is FSU going to roll out? Because that would obviously limit the throwing chances of Blackman. But if it's just Blackman primarily playing 
uh, quarterback, I think he can throw for more than 229, in my well, opinion. You also got to think that, uh, I mean, we're both anticipating maybe Miami to be out in front, so Florida State's going to have to throw yeah, the ball. Sure. Which happened against Louisville, you know? Like, you know, Louisville essentially threw for 150 yards in the fourth quarter alone, and, you know, it was largely garbage time, uh, a lot of those, those yards and points. Um, but that's, that's part of the fun of betting it, right? Yeah. Um, leading receiver for Miami, once again, sports line, thinks it's going to be Brevin Jordan. They say four catches for 52 yards. Um, Brevin Jordan has been like a popular prop bet the past two games. Like you can always kind of get him. Week one, it was 52 yards over under. Um, I took the over. Of course, he was under with like 50 yards. And then yeah, last week, missed. yeah, last week, I think it was like 58 or something like that. And he absolutely smashed right. that. Um, I, I'm setting it at 65 yards. Would you take the over or the under? I'll take the over because I picked him as player of the game, right? So <laughs> well, to me, it comes down to tar- or targets, to, to receptions. Like if he gets five receptions, I think you feel good about his chance to get over 65 yards. You know, if he gets six receptions, like I think it'll be a done deal. But, you know, we've seen some games where like, like in the UAB game, he only got like four targets and I think he caught three balls for the 50 yards, like you said. So, um, yeah, if he catches like five balls, I, I feel good about the over in that. And he should catch five balls in this game. Like he needs, he needs to be that type of weapon for Miami this year. Oh, it's it's. Would you agree with my my stance that te one for Miami is really wide receiver one? Like yeah, yeah. He, Essentially, he, he's a slot receiver. Like all of his snaps are are lining up in the slot pretty much. So which is smart, which is the way they should play him. So yeah, I'm with you. Let's uh let's dive into our our predictions. Uh, you want me to go first here? Yeah, take it. Did, I mean, did you have to give one on on? The Knowles 247 podcast or no? I did, yeah. So it'll be the same. Okay. So you just do you just go like across the board, same for everything? I do. I stick with it, you know. I pretty much have my mind made up anyways by Thursday. Um, now with, with COVID, you know, unavailabilities, that could change. But for the most part, I, I pretty much have a feel for what I'm thinking going into the game by Thursday. Okay. So I got... And I, I've actually been, I think, pretty, uh, pretty accurate here. Like I was one point off in the, Ooh, in, the UA, in the UAB game. Pat yourself on the back. Let's I go. Know. I know. And then I, I, I mean, I don't know what I did last week. I think I said like forty-one twenty-eight. So I, I was close. Um, I got Miami thirty-eight fourteen. Like I just like FSU does not have the horses, in my opinion, to run with Miami hey. and. And you toss in no Mike Norvell. I just I think Miami's going to win by double digits, and I, I think it could get ugly. And I'm not yeah. trying to be like Homer cover Miami guy. I mean, I'm just calling it how I see it. Like I don't think Georgia Tech is a very good team. Miami struggled with them. I think Florida State has a lot of issues in terms of just the roster and how it's constructed. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, though, you got to look at it. It's a rivalry game. These things have been close. I- I'm sure there'll be a pregame scuffle of, of something. And, you know, if they, get, if they get some turnovers, absolutely, I could see this being a, a, a close right. game. Um, 
but I don't know. Like, it's just I, I could see Miami like racing out to two scores in the first quarter. And then, you know, if you're on that Florida State sidelines, how do you not mail it in? Um, I mean, your head coach isn't going to be there. Like, I could just see it's tough. Yeah. You know, this being the one where it really stings for Florida State. So you're saying 38-14, right? 38-14. But, I, I mean, I, I really wanted it to go like 41-14. I just yeah. – I don't want the pushback. <laughs> I mean, I look, I think logically that's extremely fair prediction. I will say this. Like, if it was uh, Florida State's roster in uh, Duke uniforms, I would pick that same score probably, like a similar score. Is my score too big? Am I, am I overshooting this or what? No, I don't think you are. I mean, I think everything you said is fair. I just, I just know this game is weird, man. And, <laughs> I, and I think, I think I Florida State's going to come out swinging. I think they're. I do think they're going to be better on defense um, than they were against Georgia Tech. I, I expect them to take a jump there on offense. I mean, they, they will probably be a little better, too. I mean, they'll simply be better if their wide receivers catch the ball. Um, I mean, so, oh, can, can Florida State score three touchdowns on Miami? Uh, I think they can score three. I don't know if they can score four. Like, you know, like we said in the previous podcast, I think Miami can hit 30. I don't know if Florida State can hit 28, you know, uh, you know, I, I would say their ceiling is probably like 24-ish. So that brings me to my prediction. And again, this is more of a prediction about <laughs> respecting the rivalry. Like, I do think Miami is clearly the better team and could potentially win big. But I'm going to go 31-23 Miami. Okay. Now you got me, like, worried. I mean, I just, like, pick some numbers. I, I don't know. No, I think – no. Look – Miami is the better team. And as far as what we've seen, like what, going off what we know in 2020, your score is a good score. Like UCF wrecked or Georgia Tech, who, you know, honestly should have beaten Florida State more than they did. Like they had a bunch of blocked field goals and extra points. That's that, that margin should have been greater. It's just this, this game is weird, man. So I'm like, mind uh, screwing myself with the, with this prediction uh so i'm going 31 23 i i mean i just yeah okay i'm sticking with what i'm at and that's what i'm going to send you for our written yeah. predictions and i don't know maybe yeah. i'll be maybe i'll be completely wrong and i don't know i just think i have a good feel for the situation or i agree no like with 2020 like if you think you know something you should just roll with it and like that's kind of been my mentality like if this is what you think go with what you think yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I will say, I think the, the total on the game right now is like 54 points. I would definitely lean the under. Yes. Um, I agree with that. And if you're I, Manny, let's say you are up some scores. If you're Manny, do you think, uh, would you call off the dogs? No, Manny needs to make a statement. He needs, that's, well, he, that's the other thing that plays in my prediction. Like, Dude, you could be 2-0 against Florida State and, like, right. you know? Yeah, and, and Florida State would then be 0-2 this year. And, you know, it, it's, it's honestly a statement about recruiting. Like, everyone expects Miami to win this game, but you want to make that statement 
in the recruiting world about how down Florida State is. Um, so yeah, I mean, look to to the over under thing. If if the over hits, I think you got to feel good about. Like in that scenario, I would assume Miami is blowing out Florida State and scoring a ton of points, and Florida State is in that like fourteen-ish point range, right? So right. Well, I could also see this game being you know tight in the in the first half, like yeah. like tight in the first half, and then Miami uh, starting to pull away in the second half. Um, I I want to see what Florida State's got in the first quarter. Like they should come out swinging. They should come out with, like you said, some trick plays or misdirection or whatever. Like if they're not coming out, and again, I think it's possible they come out flat. Like their head coach is not there. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is a rivalry game. So they should come out swinging and, and, you know, show us the best of what they got in that first quarter. And if the best of what they got in that first quarter is not impressive, then blowout potential is there for this game. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm looking at my local, and if it's like, you know, Miami 21, 14 or something at half, like I would yeah. make, make a play on Miami in the second half. I, I just, that's kind They're of the been, better team. They're the but, better team. And the third quarter has been like Miami's quarter. Well, yes. offensively. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you got coming up? I, I'm, I'm actually going out of town over the, uh, the next two yeah. days. So I will not be at high school games, but I was at Miami Central on Wednesday. Going to have some VIP stories coming to the site. Updates on um, Terrence Lewis, Amari Daniels, Keith Brown, Lawrence Seymour. Um, so look for that. Yeah. Uh, and we got we got a deal we should highlight too. Sixty percent off an annual sub. So if you want the inside scoop on recruiting, you can get that for a year for like forty three bucks. And that deal ends I think midnight Saturday night. So, you know, we'll have a ton of build up uh to the Florida State game. You know, college game day gonna be in, in South Florida on Saturday. And uh, you know, we'll have you covered all day long. So keep checking out the site. Have you set up this week's Pick'em? Yes. Yeah, games are games are locked in. I'm not doing too hot. Yeah, I think we're doing the same, to be honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, check it out. Dime Life, right? DimeLife.com. They got some good good uh, apparel if you're a Miami fan to uh, to go out and buy. Uh, participate in the Pick'em with us. Uh, it's not that hard right now, but you guys can definitely beat us. Uh, I got to get my algorithm in, in, in order. We're collecting data. We got SEC starting this week, so I'm starting from zero with that. But sooner or later, my algorithm's going to kick in and I'll take off. I'm going to shoot up that leaderboard. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care.